Hey everyone, it's time for another episode of the Cypher Podcast. Post-Thanksgiving episode, I'm Jeff Farina, joined here by Mr. Evan Schaefer himself. What's going on, Evan? Hey, not too much, man. Uh, I'll tell you, I ate just far too much <laughs> on Thursday. <laughs> I, I, I still am having trouble moving. <laughs> Getting up off really? the couch, it's oh, it's rough, dude. I'm I'm really paying the price, but it's it's all worth it. It's uh, It's honestly, of all the holidays, I probably like Thanksgiving the most. Uh, yeah, I agree. Just for the sheer fact that I get to stuff my face and just completely just no remorse, you know, just it's, <laughs> it's 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 a fun one, man. It's good. How was your Thanksgiving? It was good. Yeah, it also it's, it's also the least stressful, in my opinion, of the holidays because you don't you know, you don't have to go shopping ahead. Of, I mean, yeah, you have to buy food to make stuff to bring wherever you're going or if you're hosting. I, I guess that would be stressful, but it's not there's no there's no presence, you know logistically to to purchase to wrap to get to where they have to go mm. there's no pressure it's just yeah it's it's like the precursor to you know the christmas holiday the hanukkah holiday whatever it may be uh but it is it's the most low-key it's just you know come on hang out eat some food smell like gravy when you sweat after because you <laughs> ate so much and uh and be happy yeah <laughs> that's, be thankful. It. that's it 100 percent. yep <laughs> i'll tell you this year and dude i, I honestly do not know how the people of yesterday got by. So Megan's dad asked me, so they prepped the whole turkey, cooked it and everything. We actually had it at Megan's brother's house. Um, oh, nice. Megan's dad texted me and said, hey, listen, I need you to carve the bird, right? Big task. You don't want to mess this up. Um, <laughs> so I've done it a couple times at my house and, you know, it's come out all right, but definitely a noob when it comes to, to carving a turkey. Um, so when it came time to do it, he had the knife all sharp and ready to go for me. Uh I did what any, you know, uh, any tech-loving YouTube living, you know, <laughs> person would do in 2022. I pulled up a YouTube video. I must have found, like, the guide for carving a turkey. Dude, I will show you a picture. I am so proud of how this thing came out, and I honestly do not know how people got by without YouTube. Like, if it was 1990 <laughs> and you had to carve a bird, good luck. <laughs> well, that was, like, the test of being, like, you know, worthy. Yeah, you know, exactly. If you, can't, if you can't carve a turkey, you can't marry my daughter. That's you know, <laughs> how it was back in the day. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, times have changed. So, the, so it came out perfect. Yeah, yeah, yep. Good. It's uh, I take no credit for the cooking. Obviously, like the the turkey was cooked perfect. But uh, yeah, when it came down to carving, it was honestly like probably the video to watch. It was uh, pretty easy, straightforward, easy to follow, and uh, came out excellent. So, yeah, fun nice. times were had. It was good. Busy weekend. We. Had it at her brother's house, and then we ended up shooting up to her parents' house, stayed up there for the weekend, and we actually just got back yesterday, uh, just in time to record another podcast, so it all all uh, went to like plan. It. Yep. Was the turkey brined, do you know? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. I don't think so, but I could be wrong. I, I didn't ask him. Because the times, I will say, the times that I've been footed with taking care of the bird, I, I've brined it, and... It's a pain, but it, it, it makes it so much more tender. Mm. That's for sure. You know, there's many different ways to make a brine. It could be salt water, it could be vinegar-based, whatever. But it, it just kind of permeates the meat better. But it's yeah. such a pain to do. You you have to you have to drown the turkey, basically, and let, let it soak for a period of time yeah, see, in a brine know. solution. Yeah, I don't know if they... I don't think that they did that. I know they, they wrapped it in bacon, which was cool. But there was... Ooh, nice. Yeah, it was something about, like... I guess and I was talking to my dad yesterday about this, that it's pretty difficult to get, like, that crispy skin on the turkey, if, if you like that. Uh, the skin wasn't quite crispy at all. But the bacon part was perfect. It was just like when I was cutting uh, cutting the turkey up, I was like, oh, I don't know if this is really like the way it should be. <laughs> yeah, if, is it cooked like all the, the way. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, the bacon does weird stuff to it. It's cool, like it gives it a cool flavor and it looks cool, but it does it like creates that layer of fat with the skin, so the skin's like soggy. Exactly. I think that's exactly what happened. But yeah. the turkey itself tasted good, and I'm not a big skin guy anyway, so it worked out fine for me. Good. Good. Well. You took matters into your own hands, right? That's 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 what matters that's as far it. as the, the carving goes. And that's what this episode is about, is taking things, taking matters into your own hands in a self-hosted sense of things. So this is kind of part one of a, of a two-week episode that we're going to have. But part one of this is you really were the first one to pioneer this in our Discord. You've, you really went fully in and you've actually kind of brought me into the fold a little bit too but you are you know way off in a in a, in a very efficient in a in a supreme direction you've kind of gone i shouldn't say kind of you've gone self-hosted 
with 95% of the technology aspects in your life from a, a photo standpoint, uh, a file hosting standpoint. I think you even have a, don't you even have self-hosted email at home? Uh, no, that is one thing that I don't. I do pay okay. for email uh, only because I've heard that it's, I don't know, it's a hassle. It's not the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's uh, not the most reliable. Uh, sure. So that is yep. something that I do pay for. Um, but yeah, otherwise, like you said, I am pretty much like 95% uh, self-hosted, I think is probably a safe safe guess to, to throw a percentage on. Nice. Yeah. So let's, let's jump into it. Let's like kind of where this started for you. Uh, the order that you went through, where you're at now, where you want to go, what you like, what you don't like, the kind of the trials and tribulations, if you will. Sure. So this started for me, I would say probably about three years ago, give or take. Um, and it all stemmed from a conversation that I had with you uh, when you oh, had geez. a... Re- yeah, I know, right? Like most things. <laughs> um, but uh, it started with a conversation about setting up a Raspberry Pi to serve as a pie hole on your home network. Now, for those ah. yeah, for those who don't know what a pie hole is, it's basically um, a, an ad blocking tool that covers your entire network. Um, and it does more than just ad blocking. And, and Jeff, you can probably speak to this a little bit better than I can. But ad blocking, it reduces... Uh, I don't know what you would call it, like phoning home with Google reaching out to its servers, mm-hmm. uh, sending information back and forth that maybe you don't want sent uh, as much. Um, so that's kind of like the the jumping off point for me was setting up a pie hole in the house and kind of learning a little bit about Raspberry Pis and and uh, the home networking aspect of things and how it all ties together. I highly recommend anyone who hasn't messed with a Raspberry Pi. Basically, what the Raspberry Pi does is it blocks ads and ad essentially ads from being served to you at the DNS level. So you change your router from a, the way it handles DHCP and DNS to point to the Pi instead, and the Pi essentially acts as a middleman and stops those ads from being served to you uh, by by dishing out DNS to everything else on your network. So highly recommend it. But I didn't know that's where it started for you. That's yeah. funny. Yeah, so that was definitely the starting point for me. Um, and right away, I was hooked. I've, I've talked about on past episodes how I love to tinker and mess around with things and, and try to optimize and, and really maximize on whatever hardware or software I have at my disposal. So that was definitely opening up a, a new door to, to something that I hadn't previously messed around with. Um, having dedicated hardware to do something like that at the network level in your home uh, was definitely pretty cool for me. And then from there, it just kind of blew up into this big, crazy thing. But being able to have a dashboard where I could look and see, oh, okay, this is what all my network traffic looks like. Like, mm. if I didn't have this tool, I never would have known that, you know, my, my Shield TV was calling back to NVIDIA servers and doing this and that. I, you would have no idea just because it all kind of happens silently in the background. Um, this right. tool kind of exposes that, and, and you can fully customize. You can uh, dictate what, what is allowed, what's blocked. You can whitelist certain things. You can set up different block lists to really drill down and, and have like a super lockdown, uh, secure network that basically is transmitting minimal, you know, only the necessary data. Um, right. So that was kind of the jumping off point for me. I bought a Pi Zero, uh, originally had it set up over Wi-Fi. I didn't have it tied in via Ethernet or anything like that. Served its purpose, worked great ended up getting an ethernet adapter for it because in that conversation I had with you, we kind of decided that uh, having that hardwired um, ethernet cable tying uh, your network together was going to be the most optimal. You get better speeds that way, so on and so forth. Um, so basically in having that Raspberry Pi, uh, that opened up a whole new door to, wow, okay, so now I can look at all these different tools that I can run on a Pi. And, and from there, it just... I don't want to say it spiraled because it it has like a negative connotation to it, but it definitely spiraled (laughs) out of control at that point where it was like, okay, this is awesome. Like what else, what else can I do here? Um, So I think like the big thing for me was in talking with you about this stuff, we use the term gross a lot, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. so it's gross how Google is just like, Oh God. Oh man. It's just like, and you don't even realize, right? So we would use that a lot. And I kind of realized, I'm like, all right, you know what? Like, I agree. I know that it maybe, how can I say this? I think that 
you had a really firm stance on it at the time that it was like, yeah, I'm absolutely not doing this. And I kind of followed to a degree. I didn't take it as far, but I, I was on board with, yeah, I'm not really like, I don't need them having access to all of my information like this. Like, however I can cut back on it and, and reduce what I'm sharing with them. I'd like to do that. Um, yeah. So when there you, were, just to real quick, just to interject, when for the people who haven't haven't who think that you know we're crazy or we're going down you know an, an insane you know shoots and ladder system, when you have a pie hole and you see how often this thing is phoning home, like Evan just said, when you see how many pings it has against certain servers, it is it's it's like gee, I got to get away from this. When it it really puts it into perspective. So that's all. I just wanted to add that it we're not blowing this out of proportion by any means. When you see how often it is phoning home, as Evan said. Uh, it is. It's nasty. Mm, yeah, the data collection is just like it's unbelievable. And like I said, it's mostly silent. Like yep. the average user has no idea that any of this is going on. Um, Correct. And this is even on paid services too, like Microsoft's services, like New Relic. I don't know if you saw that on your pie hole. New Relic and everything like that. That's all Microsoft. Mm. Uh, and, and so, so Google, you know, it's free. So they say you're you are the product because it's a free thing. Okay, sure. But even for services that you pay for, like Xbox Live, Microsoft 365, Office 365, it's, it is. It's gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there were things that when I had the pie hole set up, not to spend too much time on the pie hole, but it's definitely the jumping off point for me. There were certain things that would get in the way, right? So I would maybe have like a certain block list that I would download and it's just, mm-hmm. you know, you copy and paste the URL and say, I want to use this block list. Uh, certain websites that I would frequent maybe wouldn't work anymore. So you'd kind of have to tweak it, but that's the beauty of it is you can get down and you can drill down and get as granular as you'd like um, to really say like, well, you know what? I want to use this block list, but this website I go to every day, I want to make sure that that's allowed and you can allow that site, but block others. And the main thing for me was just, you know, let's cut out all the ads. That was like the big thing is, you know, you go to a website and they're just littered with ads everywhere trying to sell you something. Uh, That was the main thing. And then from there, uh, you know, it kind of ties back to like that privacy and keeping things within the home. Uh, that was like the secondary benefit to it. Um, so from there, it was really like, okay, this is awesome. What else can I do? I always, um, I've always been big into like self-hosting my own media, uh, movies, TV shows, stuff like that. And this dates all the way back to, you know, m- maybe early, early aughts, like, you know, 2005, 2004, 2003, I was always big into having, uh, you know, an external hard drive with a bunch of storage and I'd back up movies and and TV shows on there. Um, So I knew that at one point I wanted to have a network attached storage device in the house that I could basically load up with as much storage as I could possibly fit or afford and (laughs) um, kind of use that as my main hub for media. Uh, just because my wife and I, we cut the cord a long time ago. Uh, we've probably been without television um, since 2017 or 2018, so maybe about like five years now. That's um, awesome. You guys were ahead of a lot of people, that's for sure. Yeah, it's funny too now how like you see what it's becoming and everything is a subscription now, you know? So it's mm-hmm. like you cut that out, but now it's like, oh yeah, you can sign up for Peacock and you can get Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime and, and all of a sudden you're back where you were, right? <laughs> um, but that, that's just the, the day that we live in now. Um, so yeah, so I wanted to build up a, a network attached storage device, um, various different ways that you can do that. You can buy something off the shelf that works uh, basically out of the box with minimal setup. Or you can kind of go down the path like I did where I built a dedicated machine, um, followed somewhat of a build guide online just so I could make sure that all the different components would play nicely with each other. And uh, yeah, I basically built up like a 40 terabyte NAS in the house where I could kind of, the the sole purpose at that time was just to have a hub for all of my media. Um, I ended up loading that machine up with Unraid. Uh, Unraid is probably the most important tool in my house when it comes to having that self-hosted network of different services. So not only does Unraid allow me to set up, uh, you know, shares on my network with access to the storage that I mentioned, but it also allows you to run Docker containers and self-hosted services on the NAS itself. So this right away, you can see the transition 
it eliminates the need for that Raspberry Pi in the Pi hole because now I can run it on my NAS on a single dedicated machine. Some people will look at that as a positive. You reduce the number of devices in the house, you've got kind of one central location. Other people might say, well, you know, you might want to have some of these services split off onto separate hardware so that if you have a failure, it doesn't take everything out. Um, mm-hmm. I'm rolling the dice a little bit and I understand the risk that comes along with it. I do have different means of backing up uh, the configuration files for all of those services every three days at 2 a.m. and it sends it to another computer in my house. So in the event that I had another, like a major failure, I've got that stuff backed up on a separate machine um, okay. so that I wouldn't lose some of these key services that I use. Um, so Unraid, I ended up paying for it. So the way that it works is you buy a license key um, depending on how many storage devices you want to have. Um, there are different tiers available. I ended up going for the max tier. I forget. I think it gives you like basically unlimited drives that you can hook up. So I've got somewhere around like eight drives, combination of eight drives that equates to 40 terabytes of storage. And on there, I've got the movies, TV shows, um, and then the various other services that I'll talk about. But definitely for me, the most important upgrade that I could have possibly made. And that's kind of, again, jumping from the pie hole to the NAS. It, just further escalated the situation where now I can do just so much more um, with these different services in the house. Oh yeah, I mean it's you're relying on yourself, you know. And how uh, how difficult was the install for everything? Would you say on, on a scale of you know let's say one to ten? I know there's tons of of guides out there. I've stumbled on a few. There's Discord servers galore. Mm-hmm. Just you know as far as like what hardware to buy, how to, how to do the install. Like you said, do you use Unraid? Do you use this? Do you use that? Uh, is it something that the average listener of our show could could handle? Yeah, I would say so. I would say if you've had any experience with maybe building a PC, like if you built a gaming PC or anything, um, anybody who's got experience with computers in general, hardware and software, you can probably get by. I definitely have been building computers since high school, but... I still followed a guide. I, like I said, I wanted to make sure that all the hardware was going to play nice and that the, you know, that I, I had to buy like uh, eMMC RAM, mm-hmm. like uh, yeah. error, error correcting RAM and mm-hmm. uh, specific. So server grade RAM, basically. It, yep, exactly. I had to buy a specific processor, uh, super micro motherboard. And some of this stuff, I mean, it was great because you buy this stuff and, and you know, you think about buying like a motherboard and, and RAM and hard drives and all this for like a gaming PC. And it's like, wow, this stuff is so expensive. But a lot of the the hardware that I purchased was actually relatively inexpensive. Like the processor I paid $10 for. Um, wow. What'd yeah. you get for a processor? Um, Jeez, that's a great question. I, I'd have to go back. Xeon or something? It's not a Xeon. Um, but it was, jeez, it was like an Intel... I don't even think it's like an i5. It's like something, why do I want to say like G5? I, I can't remember. I'll have to go back and look and I'll, I'll follow up with you on that. But it was cool because I actually found a specific build online through a build guide. And you can look up, there's, I forget, the name escapes me. If I find it, I'll put it in the show notes. But there's a guy that runs a Discord server. And I believe he's got a bunch of YouTube videos where he has different um, build guides for uh, Unraid machines. And I followed one of those guides. I found a processor on eBay, and it was 10 bucks. And I'm like, all right, you know me. I need this thing yesterday, right? So <laughs> I, uh, I end up figuring that the guy who is selling the processor is the next town over from me. <laughs> so I sent him oh, a message. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, so I sent <laughs> him a funny. message, and I'm like, hey, listen, you know, I, I really need this for the weekend. Uh, <laughs> is there any way I can maybe just come by, and I'll give you cash for it? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. So... Um, I ended up shooting up to Nashua, which is the next town over for me. This guy had, I don't even want to call it a shop. It was like, it was like a house with a uh, Jeff. You would have been in heaven. You walk in and there is just computer <laughs> stuff everywhere. Like, I want to know where this place is. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm going to have to go back and find it. It's so funny. So I walk in the guy's like, Oh yeah, what'd you need? You know, blah, blah, blah. He gra- grabs the processor for me. And I'm like, you walk in, there's just no one there. He's like behind a shelf, looking at a movie, cigarette in his mouth. You can't even see him. He's just, he just yells to you from behind the the racks. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yep, exactly. So he, um, he's like, is there anything else you need? And I was like, well, probably, I mean, what else do you have? You know? So I spent some time looking around and he had tons of like 
commercial grade, like enterprise level, um, you know, hardware and stuff like that, that you would use for networking and, and various other computer components that were far beyond what I could even comprehend. Like I, I would never That's know funny. how to use any of it. But long story short, he's basically, yeah, it's five bucks. I gave him a 10. I was like, hey, you know what? The rest of you, just hang on to it. I appreciate Keep the change, you. Keep filthy animal. Yeah, exactly. You know, thanks for helping me out. You know, I was really in a yeah. bind this weekend, you know? <laughs> so um, <laughs> so from there, that Discord server and the, the build guide uh, guy that I mentioned. So on his Discord server, I go to boot this thing up during the build. And my motherboard's like making all these weird beeps at me. And I'm like, yeah, something's like not right. I wasn't sure if I had bought a bad processor or what i sent a message in this discord i'm like hey listen here's the processor here's the motherboard i got trying to boot this thing up it's beeping twice what can i do within 30 seconds i get a response from somebody who's like oh you need to upgrade the firmware on this here's how you do it this is a link uh, to the bios yeah just like yeah completely like the guy had the answer to my question immediately he's like you don't want to upgrade to the latest but you want to upgrade to this one grab this file from this location and and here's how you're going to put it on once i did that i was in and I was like, wow, Love it. this is like unbelievable. Um, so Unraid, just to kind of like get into some of the different, I'm going to pull it up here as I'm talking to you. So I've got kind of like a homepage set up. Uh, it's something that's called Flame that you can run in a Docker container, which is basically just like a hub for all your different services. But you can also throw on, you know, different bookmarks and stuff there. So I've got links to Unraid, Home Assistant, AdGuard Home, which has replaced the pie hole for me. That's how I do my in-home ad blocking at the DNS level. Uh, okay. Plex um, for media streaming. Bitwarden as my password manager. PhotoPrism for photo backups. So uh, real quick, those yep. two. So Bitwarden and PhotoPrism. So Bitwarden is like a alternative to 1Password or LastPass. So you're not paying anything for your password uh manager pa- password you know solution which is nice yeah and then photo prism that's that's essentially your google photos alternative exactly yep so, so you're not paying for that either not paying for that either exactly that's awesome um links to just different websites that i use so one is for uh brew father so when i brew beer at home uh it's a tool to keep different recipes and and so on and so forth uh radar and sonar which are for monitoring movie and tv show releases uh, i've got my um uh, what do you call this? Oh my God. Why is the name escaping me? Uh, I want to call it news groups. Is that what it's called? <laughs> uh, uh, like, what is it like RSS or something? Or? No, it's for, um, oh my God. Usenet. <laughs> Sorry. Totally oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got a link to my, uh, uh, my download manager for Usenet. Um, and then a couple other services. Uh, I think caliber is for, um, eBooks sync thing to sync files between computers. And then Basically, just got a bunch of different bookmarks and stuff like that. Uh, Reddit, mm-hmm. Discord, Garmin Connect for, um, you know, watch features and stuff like that. YouTube, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah, my my thing here is that when it came to self-hosting, I wanted to see what can I eliminate. Again, looking at way back to our conversation on the pie hole. How can I get rid of Google? I want to de-Google. I'm like sick of this. I want to be able to just be self-sufficient. I don't want to be able to, I don't want to have to rely on this major corporation um, for some of these like key services that I I need. You know, it's like a necessity. Mm -hmm. Um, The other piece of this is that I'm as cheap as they come. I don't like to, I mean, I spend money. Don't get me wrong, but I don't like to spend money (laughs) on things if I have a way to (laughs) circumvent it. Um, So, I'm looking at Google. Okay, you're going to take whatever, 2014. So you're going to take eight years of my pictures and store them for free. And then all of a sudden you're going to say, you know what? Sorry, we're mm-hmm. going to start charging you for this. We, we, we decided we're going to start charging for this. Should they charge for it? Probably. I just felt like it was a dirty tactic to take eight years worth of pictures and say, hey, you know what? If you want to keep backing up to this, you got to give us money. Um, yeah. That's kind of you know, to, to use like my dad term there, it's like, that's how they get you. You know, it's like, that, mm-hmm. how can we lock you into our, our ecosystem? Once you're locked in there, we're going to start collecting money. Um, and I just didn't like that. So I started looking at Google. How can I do Google? What services am I using on Google and how can I get rid of those? And I started to write some of them down before we started talking today. So some of the key things are calendar, contacts, photos, passwords and Google Drive. Um, those were five that kind of 
jumped out at me. There may be more. Um, and I can guarantee you if there's one that I missed, I would say with near 100% certainty that there is a self-hosted service that will do the same thing if you were yep. looking to get off of Google, right? So just to speak quickly on it. So contacts and calendar, I'm going to kind of group into one. Okay. I mentioned earlier, I don't self-host email. I do pay for an email service through mailbox.org. Uh, it's not much money. I think it's like a dollar a month. It comes out to like 12 bucks a year. Um, one of the things there was that it was like a privacy focus, you know, recommended by other users um, who have like a similar feelings on this data collection business. Um, so I ended up signing up for an email account there. And the cool thing is that it offers a suite of services similar to what Google would offer. So I okay. pay for this. Um, it gives you access to have, you know, your own calendar tied to your mailbox.org account, and you can sync your contacts there as well. Um, so I have all of those backed up to that service. And then I utilize different, um, I guess you could call it a tool, but there's CardDAV and CalDAV. Um, mm -hmm. Those are basically going to allow you to sync that information back from your mailbox.org account to whatever device you might be using. So I sync my contacts and my calendar using actually built into the iPhone and iOS. Um, the calendar and contacts app allow you to add different accounts and CardDAV and CalDAV are options there. So that's kind of not so I much. I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's not like so much self-hosted because it's not living here in my house, but it is decentralizing. Like I'm getting it off of Google or Apple's, um, you know, internal services and kind of putting them out there on something else so that as I bounce between, if I go from Android to iOS, I can grab maybe, like I said, an iOS, it's built right into the, uh, the operating system. There are apps on Android that you can download to sync your card dev and Cal dev stuff. So that's how I decentralize and get it off of Google at the time or Apple services now. And it works great. I can go in, I'll add a new contact on my phone. I set my mailbox.org as the primary contact account in iOS, add a new contact, boom, syncs to my mailbox.org account. If I go on the web and need to punch in an email, I can go to that, uh, go to my account there and it stores all my contacts. And it's just, uh, it's nice to have that independent of these major, major services that I had previously really relied on. Um, oh, without a doubt. Yeah. So those are two big ones. I needed to have those set up. I didn't want to keep, I could keep them on Google. Storage isn't really a concern when you're storing contacts, right? Like it's not like you've got gigs of, of contact uh, cards that you need to have synced. That's, it's not so much that it's more just, I wanted to kind of try and remove as much as possible so that I can limit my reliability on Google. Um, photos was the tough one. So there are multiple different photo gallery self-hosted services uh, available. So Unraid has like an app store almost. I call it a store with air quotes. You don't buy anything, but it's kind of like a hub where you can go in and search for different self-hosted apps and it spins up a Docker container. Super easy. couple clicks and you're done. It's really not all too much to it. Um, photos, there's a handful of different services available. All of them with different features. Uh, all of them at different levels of... Um, I guess like different maturity levels, like some are really new and underdeveloped and kind of like a work in progress. Maybe you don't want to go sticking, you know, 10 years worth of pictures on there. If you have an issue, <laughs> that could be a, a problem, right? Uh, then there are others that are pretty mature and ready, you know, like release ready. You could spin it up in home and, and really it just kind of works itself and you don't have to have any like major concerns. So I use something like we mentioned earlier called photo prism uh, what a powerful tool this is. So yeah, the way that I've got it set up is I, uh, I do pay, so I'm going to change this eventually. I just didn't want to spend the 25 bucks up front, but I have an app on my phone, uh, called PhotoSync. right now. I think it's like six 99 a month that I wanted to use that almost as a trial to make sure that it worked the way that it did on Android. You can get the app on Android for much cheaper. Um, but using that, why is that any idea? I'm not sure. I, I have noticed that with more than just this app, too, that the iOS iterations tend to be more expensive, and I don't know why. 
Are you able to buy it directly from them on Android and then download the APK? Is that why? Um, or is it, th- is it, you know what? No, it is through the play store. Yeah, it is through okay. the play store. So I'm not sure okay. why that is, but I've noticed it. I think there was another app that I used, um, before my drone died in a fiery crash this weekend called, um, uh, what the hell was it called? Uh, the name escapes me, but there was another, uh, app that I used for flying the drone. And I think the iOS version is significantly more expensive than the, uh, really? the Android one. Okay. I just, I don't get it. Um, but anyway, Photosync looks cool, though. I'm looking at it right now in the App Store. Yeah, so what Photosync allows me to do is I can sync my photos from my camera roll um, back to my computer through WebDAV. So I've got this instance of PhotoPrism exposed uh, through, you know, I allow it through my firewall. I've got, like, all this stuff set up so that I can kind of um, reverse proxy in to different websites to access some of these services that I have in home. Um, so yeah, it'll sync all my pictures from my camera roll into an import folder for photo prism uploads all the photos. Once they're uploaded, it wipes my camera roll. So the nice thing about that is that I've got, you know, 128 gigs of storage pictures and videos can take up a lot of space. Once they're backed up and deleted, I get that storage back and I really never have any major storage concerns just because it's constant. It's like a revolving door. The pictures come in, they go out and they're gone and and then I just access them through a gallery similar to Google Photos um, just through a website. And it works great. It's got, you know, location tagging, uh, face, facial recognition. Uh, you can create albums. I can share albums, um, you know, videos, so on and so forth. So at the time when I was decentralizing, I basically pulled down pretty much everything. Facebook, um, Google, um, you know, like the MySpaces, for example, everything that was like a social media platform where we had pictures for myself and my wife, I pulled everything down, imported into this and we wiped it all um, That's cool. just to get it off of there and, and into this. So we literally have just to show you how powerful of a tool this is. It's somewhere in the realm of 35,000 pictures um, and maybe 3,500 videos uh, all wow. on my NAS here at the house self-hosted through this service and it works phenomenally um you can really customize and fine-tune when your photos are uploaded what quality you want them in you could there's a little slider you can say like oh i want it at a 90 percent compression ratio or something like that and you can tweak it to save space so on and so forth and i'm finding that over time again this kind of ties back to like i don't want to pay anybody to host my own pictures sure it's a nice to have and in the grand scheme, I probably spent, you know, $1,000 on this machine behind me. And, you know, it's a thousand bucks here versus paying 99 cents a month for iCloud or for um, Google storage. But it's just like the principle for me. I, like mm-hmm. I'm willing to spend the thousand dollars just so I can say that I'm fully independent. I know it might be silly to some, but it's just, I don't know. It's just how I am. Um, but yeah, that tool, I can't praise enough. Uh, they do offer if you want to, um, What's the word? If you want to support the people that are developing the app or the program or the website or the tool, um, they do have a subscription. I think it's probably through Patreon or something like that, but you can basically subscribe there and you get some other little features and benefits that I have found workarounds for that really don't affect me. And it's not that I don't want to support them, but like I said, I'm cheap and I'm trying to pinch every penny I can. So um, (laughs) highly recommend PhotoPrism. They probably, if you check out their GitHub page, they probably have a demo if you wanted to take it for a test run and check it out yourself. If this was ever something you were thinking about spinning up, highly recommend it. Very easy to get going. Um, so that's calendar contacts and photos done easy. Uh, the other major one, Bitwarden, like we said, uh, Mm -hmm. Bitwarden, I self host here. Um, password manager allows me to store all my logins and passwords, create unique passwords, uh, you can set it up so that in the password generator, I want, you know, two capital letters. I want two symbols. I need four numbers in there and you can fully kind of customize that. And I have um, plugins for Safari and for Brave, which I use in tandem on my MacBook. Uh, plugins for Bitwarden, all again, reverse proxy to my website that I mentioned. So I plug in the website, um, log into my account there and I've got access to all my my usernames and passwords. The nice thing with Safari is that they do have the biometrics with touch ID. 
um, mm-hmm. that you can enable that. So I just use a fingerprint to unlock and I'm good to go. You can log into everything with the click of a button, don't have to remember passwords, so on and so forth. So uh, Bitwarden is a big one. Again, just pulling off of, I had everything in Google before and just with the security and privacy concerns there, I wanted to get all, and plus I wasn't great about using unique pass, uh, passwords for every site. Um, now it's like, I hate myself sometimes because I, when I log into different websites, I don't use uh, strings of like words. They're randomly generated, um, you know, numbers, letters, an amalgamation of different stuff that it's just, I, I'm like, oh man, why did I do this? It's such a pain in the ass to log in. But uh, <laughs> It can it, be. Yeah, it works great though. And I, I honestly, this is one of the main reasons that I have to back up all of these self, self-hosted services is because if this thing ever crashed or went down, I need to have access to these passwords by another means. Um, and you could even take it a step further if you want to take your Bitwarden file that you're backing up to that secondary machine. I'm sure there are, whether through SyncThing or Dropbox or something like that, you can have it set up to then pull that configuration file and you could probably back it up a third time, which is the smart thing to do, get something off-site. Um, yeah. So, so as I talk through this, probably something I should do. But uh, Bitwarden works great. Um, it's not exclusively a self-hosted tool. You could pay for Bitwarden, like Jeff mentioned, one password. For their own hosting. Yep, yeah. for their own hosting. Um, I Also, if I wanted to, I could pay. There's a monthly subscription available. Again, gives you access to some features that I don't have access to right now. Uh, I want to say like file sharing might be one thing um, and a couple other things. I, I'd have to read into it, but recommend that you look into that. If, it's, if you're currently paying for a password manager and maybe looking for something different, can compare um, apples to apples, see what the features are, and see what makes the most sense for your use case. Um, yeah, there's there are tons of choices. Yes, that's for sure. What are you using right now, by the way? So I'm using One Password uh, for until March when my subscription is up, and when that happens, I will either go a self-hosted route like yourself, so like a Bitwarden, uh, or I'll just use Apple's Password Manager which is what I'm using now. So it's just part of the keychain uh, with an iOS and Mac OS. So they do the same the same thing as 1Password or Bitwarden where they just create a unique password. And like you said, it's just an amalgamation of characters, letters, you know, numbers, whatever it might be, symbols. Uh, so it's it's really the same functionality. Um, cool. I, I have 1Password. I've, I've transferred everything over. My, my subscription just doesn't. I paid for it for a year up front. So it doesn't end until March, but it's just, um, it, it's free this way. Mm. Uh, you know, and it's through the keychain. Yeah. Am I boxed in with Apple? Sure. Uh, but the way things are looking, I mean, this is the way it's going to be for a bit for me. So I have it, it's synced up to my Mac and it's on my iPhone. If I need a password on a, on a windows machine, I believe the keychain tool is installable now, but worst case scenario, I just pull up the passwords, you know, within the settings of my phone and I can just type it in manually if need be. Cool. Yep. No, that's cool. I didn't, uh, so I've, I've heard you guys chat about that in the Discord, but I guess I didn't really know what it was all about. But it sounds like it's a mirror of Bitwarden. It's the same kind of service, but just on Apple's end, like you said. So it's somewhere yeah. if you plan to spend your time there, it probably makes a lot of sense to just from a simplicity standpoint, um, just to have everything under one umbrella would be nice. Yeah, that's one of the things with, with Apple software that... And I don't want to sound like a sheep here or anything like that, but, uh, you know, they, their hardware is definitely more expensive. The software, you know, is what it is. And I think the reason you pay the premium is not just because the hardware is better or, or nicer, but a lot of people overlook things like that, uh, like the built-in, you know, mail.app uh, within macOS, like the, the password manager being built-in. There's little things that can save you money. You know, you don't necessarily need to have Logic or uh, Final Cut to create videos or create recordings. We happen to be using those two things, but you could definitely get away, at least at, at my level uh, and our level for this podcast, we could definitely just use GarageBand, which is free with, with your Mac. It's included in the software. So it's things like that that people overlook a lot of times with, with Apple's, you know, systems, if you will. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so the last thing, um, Google Drive. So... Mm. I don't quite have a an instance of a service that will mirror what Drive does, but I do kind of have like my own workaround to to emulate it, if you will. So there are different things available. I've spun up like a Nextcloud instance in the past. Uh, Nextcloud okay. is phenomenal. That's another one that is kind of like an all-encompassing. They have a password manager, a notes system 
They've got uh, that's an know, OS basically, isn't it? It's in pretty sense, much it's yeah. OS. It, it's almost like its own OS exactly. So you can add different users in there, and you know there's file sharing, photo backup, every, pretty much everything. It's like an all-encompassing project. You can get everything under one umbrella, like I said. So I used that for a while. Um, that was really when I was starting to explore the different photo backup solutions, and I just really wasn't happy with the offering from Nextcloud at the time. I think it's gotten better, but I it's one of those things that now I'm so deep into my setup that if I were to change over to Nextcloud now, it would be like doing a complete 180 and just almost like starting from scratch again. I really just can't do that at this point. So mm -hmm. there are different options available. The way that I kind of use my Google Drive, if you will, the way that I have my drive set up is that I have my NAS set up to share over SMB uh, on my home network. So whether I'm on a Windows machine or if I'm on my MacBook um, or on an Android phone with a, um, with a files app, some of them have that SMB integration. Um, I have all my files shared. Uh, I've got probably somewhere between like I would say 15 and 20 shared folders. I'm going to pull it up quickly while I'm chatting here. So the way that I do this is I have an Unraid folder on my machine. I do have 18 folders, like I mentioned. So some of them tie back to uh, their like required folders for my Unraid installation. But then from there, I've got separate folders for just the way that I organize different things. So I've got like a downloads folder. I have eBooks. I have my file cabinet where I store tax returns and miscellaneous documents, uh, home videos, movies, photos. Uh, I have a wrestling folder. I've got a PS2 SMB where I stream PS2 games from my NAS, ROMs, nice. TV shows, UFC, uh, so on and so forth. So there's a bunch of folders in there. So the way that I handle this is that obviously this is within my home network. If I'm on the road, and I need to back up a file, uh, can't necessarily do that without access to the home network. So I utilize WireGuard. Uh, it's a VPN that allows me to uh, basically hop back into my home network. Um, WireGuard's phenomenal. I actually need, now that I'm talking about it, uh, when I got my Amplify Alien, um, I need to set up WireGuard again. I've been on the road, like just for example, this weekend I was on the road trying to get back into the home network and I couldn't do it. Um, something changed with my IP. I need to fix it up, but it's a simple fix. Uh, WireGuard again is running on the NAS through Unraid, uh, pretty much a one click installation there as well. That will allow me to download the WireGuard app on pretty much every device. So I have it on my MacBook. I've got it on my iPhone. I've got it on a handheld, um, Android gaming device that I use. Um, and then pretty much all computers in the house for the most part so anything that's like portable that i need to take out of the house um i have WireGuard on there so that i can jump back into my home network um that's how i'll back up different things so if i'm on the road and i i don't know if i trying to think of something if say i downloaded like an important file um i can basically log into my home network through WireGuard. i'll cut and paste the file from my you know if it's on my iphone i'll cut and paste and drop it right into the uh to my unraid um files backup basically just dropping the file right onto my nas uh so that's kind of how i handle backing up documents so don't necessarily have a dedicated service that acts as a a, a cloud drive if you will um but this is my way to work around it and honestly it works excellent i don't really have a need right now to set up a dedicated service not to say that i won't but um this just works fine. It serves its purpose for me. So there's no need to really change anything. Um, so yeah, basically WireGuard, jump into the NAS, gives me access to every single file, picture, movie, um, you know, tax return, whatever it might be. I've got everything at my fingertips at all times, pretty much. Um, so that's nice. And it's on hardware that you own in your own internal network. That's nice. Right. Exactly. So nobody else has hands on except for me or, you know, anybody that I grant access. But honestly, the WireGuard stuff like Megan doesn't use her phone like that. Right. So like I could sure I could show her how to set it up and how to use it. But she really I don't know. She doesn't access any of these folders ever. You know, it's really just here for me and, and for my backup needs. Um, she's actually still using, she pays the subscription to, to Google to, uh, 
to increase her cloud storage just because that's that's how she uses the phone i don't want to reinvent the wheel but i just find that this is a much better solution for me and the way that i use um you know my my hardware and and the uh the files that accompany that hardware as a result yeah it's great i mean you've taken control of your own destiny that way which is nice yeah it's and it's been a process like i said i mean this whole thing started probably three years ago and it's like I've said in, you know, in, in past conversations, it's like always evolving. Like there's always something mm. new that you want to mess around with. Um, so like just talking about, you know, not having a cloud drive that I use um, and VPNing into my home network, like it makes me want to see what else is out there. Like I'm sure that there is some kind of like a service that would be similar to a Google Drive or OneDrive or Dropbox that I could have set up on Unraid. Um that would probably work great. It's just something that I need to explore a little bit, but that's the beauty of it is for us, you know, the people who like to tinker and are into technology and, and like to take things, take matters into their own hands. Um, Unraid just has infinite possibilities of different things that you can set up. Yes. So uh, highly recommended from me. I know that there are other services available. I don't have them up in front of me, but you can look up if you go to, google and you can search uh you know unraid alternatives or what have you and it'll it'll give you the different options but you just got to kind of take a look um and say okay what what features are important to me how do i plan to use this thing and um you can kind of make a decision from there yeah i mean there's just just a wealth of knowledge online and like like evan said if you like to tinker uh this is a it's a cool little project for sure and it's it kind of gives you that sense of ownership you know it's funny i say that because of all the services you just mentioned, I'm I'm not using with, with the exception of Pihole. I'm not using any of them currently. Mm. I have dabbled there, and that's potentially something down the road for me. But it does give you a sense of like my data is my data. Now, where I have gone is the, coincidentally the one area that you haven't gone yet, which is self-hosted uh, video. Mm. So I have you know the camera setup I have at home. I have uh, Unify cameras, so I have which will which will kind of be. I guess a subject of a future show potentially, but just to kind of add to what you just mentioned, Evan, I'll, I'll di- delve and in, dive into what I have real fast. I have a unified Dream Machine uh, router. I have a I have a UDM Pro SE to be specific, and from there, uh, Unify or Ubiquity, really it's Ubiquity. They're essentially the Apple of networking gear. Now you mentioned you have an Alien, an Amplify Alien. That mm-hmm. is a Ubiquity product. Amplify is their consumer facing. Uh, line and Ubiquity's Unify line is their, you know, really business grade, but also prosumer line. So that's what I have at home. I have a network rack uh, with a UDM Pro SE. And then from there, I have two PoE power over Ethernet cameras. Uh, I have a G4 Pro and a G4 Bullet. And then I also have a doorbell cam. So my video is hosted internally uh, on the UDM Pro SE. It comes with a 120 gig SSD built into that rack. You can add, uh, what is it, a three and a half inch, you know, spinning drive. I don't know what the capacity is. I think it's like up to 10 terabytes or something like that. I haven't done any of that though. Uh, what this does is it just overrides as it fills up the video. And I haven't had any files that I've had to save. So if that changes down the road, then I'll add an actual spinning platter hard drive to the mix. But for the time being, it's funny because you have all of that stuff hosted, self-hosted, whereas all I have is video. Uh, just because that was the easiest route for me to go to start and then look at the other things down the road. Because I think you hit the nail on the head. You do one thing, and then your wife Megan does the other. And that's kind of, you know, I tend to be an all or nothing kind of, just from a simplicity standpoint, have us both on the same platform or either way, you know, whether it be self-hosted or someone else is hosting it. So my wife Kelly and I are still on Google's um, hosting, you know, for, for Drive, for photos, for all of those things. So that may change for us. Uh, and I think the video thing may change for you. That will probably happen before my situation changes. Who knows? Yeah, that's I, and I don't know if other people who are in a similar position to me, if if they would feel the same way. But I feel like you did it right with your self-hosted um, security camera solution. So, like, I feel like a lot of people might look at it and say that it's a big undertaking. I feel like it is. Um, and I, I don't want to lock myself into something that I'm gonna regret right so i don't want to jump the gun and i almost bought blink cameras this weekend i i don't want to do that if it's not something that i'm going to be happy with so i'm trying like we talked about before the show started 
take your time, start out with maybe a doorbell. You don't have to go all in at once. That's definitely on the agenda. Um, that's probably the biggest hole in my self-hosted game uh, is that I don't have any kind of security cameras or backup cameras, uh, or yeah, I should say just security cameras um, for home security. Uh, something that I need to look into more, and, and I love the idea of just starting small and expand. That's kind of been my MO with Unraid. That's kind of how it's built from the ground up is it's designed for expansion, um, specifically in terms of obviously the services that you run, but more so on the hardware side. Um, I've got 40 terabytes of storage available. I probably use about half of it right now, but I could dump another 12 terabyte hard drive in there tomorrow if I wanted to, um, right. with no hiccups. Um, so that I need to kind of look at the security camera solution in the same light is that start small, expand over time, you know, don't have to empty your entire wallet to, to get set up in, in one go. Um, at right. least on my side, that's like my, my concern for me. Other people are different and definitely like, like I said, I, I love the setup that you have. I think that my ideal setup is your setup. That's that's kind of what I'm gunning for, and, and hopefully, maybe by this time next year, that's where I'll be. We'll see, but it's definitely it's it's on the docket for sure. Yeah, I, I will say it does sound, and not to keep the show going on any longer, but just it does sound hard to do. But PoE, so power over Ethernet, is extremely easy to run. It's just a single cable. It's thinner than your typical 120 volt or 115 volt power wiring. And, it, and that's it. It's just an Ethernet cable right to the back of the camera, and boom, it has power. I will say, too, do your own research. The motivator for myself, mainly me, but also my wife and I, we don't have any cameras in the home because we've heard, you know, everyone's heard those horror stories of cameras being hacked and being able to see kind of what's going on in the home. And it's just that weird, irky feeling. But also, and again, do your own research, but there were articles that came out six months ago, a year ago about Amazon and Google allowing, you know, police to get access to your cameras, whether it be live and recording, uh, just by simply asking without a warrant. Now, there's nothing nefarious going on at the Farina home, I can assure you, we're pretty boring people, but I just don't like that idea. I don't just let random strangers into my home for that very same reason. You know, I have nothing to hide, but I just don't want random people coming into my life. So that was kind of the last straw for me, hearing those reports. I decided, you know what, I want my data to be housed internally, and I want the people that I want to see it. Because I share clips with you guys on Discord all the time about people putting packages, you know, chucking packages at my door from 30 feet away. And I tell Amazon, put the packages on the front porch. They always end up, they always put them on the trash barrel out of spite. So again, I'm a pretty boring guy. There's really nothing going on here. But I just, I, I want to own that data, just like how you want to own your data for your tax, you know, reports and that sort of thing. Uh, right. It's literally the, the same vein as that. Yeah. And, you know, not to, not to, take this down a dark path, but there was a, a story within, I want to say like the last six months of a father that we'll just say had like a, a sick kid or like a health concern with one of their kids. Oh, uh, right. That, I forgot took, about yep, that. That's took right. a picture, sent it to their pediatrician and that the doctor requested the picture. I think so. Yeah. And then from yeah, there, he did, yeah. Google, you know, Google flagged the photo as like a child pornography thing, ended up locking down the guy's entire Google account with years and years of emails and passwords and and pictures and everything just locked and sent directly to the FBI. Um, and from what I understand, I don't know if this has changed because this has been, you know, maybe about six months ago now, but um, once they cleared the guy of, of whatever concerns Google had, uh, his account remained locked. It was, yep. he was unable to access it. So that's something that I try to stress to the wife is like, you know, I would hate to ever end up in a situation like that, right? Like, yep. could you imagine she she basically runs her own business? How would you feel if your entire account with your ability to invoice and, and all of your customer information and everything was locked up and held by Google, held hostage for something innocent that you did just trying to care for right. your kids, right? That's right. Obviously, that's an extreme. You don't see that happening every day, but just the possibility of that happening is it's kind of eye-opening, right? And that's why... I feel so strongly about I want to own everything that I have here. I want to keep it in-house as much as possible. And the other services that I selectively pay for, I want to be just that. I want to be selective about what I'm what I'm putting out there for that reason. So it's definitely it me to go to go this route again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, but no, it's definitely, you know, it's it's something to think about. And that's why I think this topic, this was a great topic to have just because 
there is so much to talk about here. You know, it's, mm-hmm. this is an episode now, we could probably run another episode six months from now and, and have a completely different conversation just because there's so much out there that you can do with this kind of stuff. It's, it's pretty interesting. There is. And to the people saying, well, if I'm self-hosting, I'm putting all my eggs in one basket. What if I have a house fire and it all goes down? That's where, where you would have that offsite backup. But I do want to kind of add to the story that you just brought up, Evan, because he had all of his eggs. This, this gentleman had all of his eggs in one basket with Google. He had Google Voice. He had Gmail. He had Google Drive. He had everything. When Google locked his account, they literally canceled his Google Voice number. So the phone number that he had had for 10 years was gone. Oh, he woke mm. up He woke up the next morning and it was gone. And subsequently, everything that used two-factor authentication could no longer text that number. So he was locked out of more than just his Google accounts. It was his Amazon account, his Twitch account, his Twitch account, his Microsoft account. You name it, he was locked out of it. And they deleted all of his files as part of this as well. It's just an automatic thing that happens. Mm. When he tried to get his files back, and I haven't heard an update you know, since the article initially came out, but what Google basically told him was, listen, we turned over everything on a thumb drive to the authorities. If you want your stuff back, you have to get that thumb drive from them. Good luck. Wow. So again... Myself and Evan don't have anything to hide, but that doesn't sit well with me, that nope. whole thing. Right. So yeah, I'm an anti-Big Brother kind of person. It, you know? Exactly, exactly. And again, this is this is all stemming. This entire podcast is stemming from a conversation about ad blocking and stop phoning home, right? And, and look where we are now. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I Don mean, think your tinfoil cap. Yeah, exactly. Think, think about that though, right? This guy was locked out of everything. Two-factor, you know, imagine not being able to access your online banking because of something like that you can't pay your bills you can't pay your mortgage like what do you do you know it's like what a what a mess just an absolute mess so that was that's a big thing and again a lot of the way that megan and i communicate right now are through other services that maybe something like that could happen to us you would hope that it doesn't but the the paths that you can take to kind of limit that exposure i would say are probably worth taking just given that story uh specifically so um Definitely, uh, it's a crazy digital world that we're living in right now. You just got to cover your bases, protect yourself where you can, and, and you know, just know that these big companies aren't your friend. <laughs> yeah. You no, know? you're just a number. You're just a, you're just a business opportunity, even to the apples of the world. You know, it's the, it's yep. the sad truth. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I think... Uh, I think on the next episode, we'll talk about graphene OS because we both had experiences with that and they, they tie back to the privacy function that we've been going after. Mm. So ironically enough, neither of us are on graphene OS any longer, but uh, we should still definitely talk about it, our experiences with it. And then I'll do some research over the next week and kind of see where it's currently at and kind of go from there. Yeah, I think that would be a good one to do for sure. And it awesome. like, it, you know, transitioning from this conversation to that, it's a nice little segue to talk about graphene. So. Yeah, just more security and privacy. Definitely, definitely. Cool. And then soon after, we'll be we'll be bringing some some guest hosts on and kind of talking with them about their story and what they use and whatever else is interesting at the time. So we're a few episodes away from that. So thanks for sticking kind of through this period with us of just getting to know us and our systems and kind of what makes us tick. Uh, Yeah, Evan, where can everyone find you? Yeah, you can find me in the Tech House Discord server or on YouTube at Evan Schaefer. Awesome. Yeah, again, to all the listeners, if you if you aren't part of the server and you want to join the server, definitely, by all means, drop us a line. We're happy to bring you in. You know what I'll do, Evan, is I, I'll, I can create an invite link. We can throw it in the show notes. That way they can just click on the actual uh, the show note link. Cool. And then it'll, it'll give me and Dan, the two mods of the server, the ability to bring them in Perfect. from there. Yeah, that'll be good. Uh, and and then, you know, oh, go ahead. Discord really is like <clears throat> when you were talking about the the server building. That reminded me of when I was trying to find GPUs a year ago. Discord really is like the de facto social media network now, in my opinion. Like, you helped me get that that video card at the end of the day, but that was through a link I got on Discord. So just oh, wow. Discord's everything. Yeah, you know? it really is. I mean, my main thing is just it's a conversation, right? It's not mm-hmm. it's not a you know a tweet and delete or you know put up a here's my statement and, and react however you choose to like, let's, let's have a conversation. That's what I love about discord, especially tech yeah. house. We have so much fun in there. It's just, it's a great place to be. Anybody that's listening from the tech house discord server, definitely shoot us a message. If, if you'd like to be on the show, uh, Jeff, I think it would be a good idea just to kind of get a running list going. Maybe we start lining up some future guests. Um, yeah, we can put like a shared note in the server. Yeah. Kind of go from there. Definitely. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, everything on my end. Did you did you already say where we could find you? 
No, but uh, I, I would say Twitter, uh, at Jeff F. I guess I'm still there. I don't even have the app on my phone any longer. Not because of who purchased it. I'm just tired of Twitter. Yeah. Uh, but same thing, Discord. Shoot me a message there. And, uh, you know, if you want to get into our server, reach out to me on Twitter, and I'll bring you in that way. Um, but stay tuned for next week's show where we talk about graphene. And as always, thanks very much for listening, everyone. Thanks, guys.